listeners, welcome to the Escape Pod podcast. Escape podcast. The Escape podcast. Escape, yes. The Escape Pod podcast. Because we're combining escape and podcast. The Escape podcast. And we're alluding to Space Odyssey, the new one. Escape Pod. No, we're not. We're alluding no. to David Bowie. <laughs> oh, no. No, neither of those. It's just an escape well, pod. Kind of David it's Bowie. just an it's escape pod. It's the listener's way to escape from boring stuff into stuff that's interesting. Right. Okay. I forgot. We are the escape pod. It's a metaphor. Just like the song. There's no song. What song are you thinking of? This week's episode. Anyways, this episode. <laughs> uh, uh, you do the intro. No, no, no. Okay, you go ahead. I'll no, do the name. Okay, I'll say this week's, this week's episode, episode. We're sitting down to talk with. So you just did it all. Reminder Samra. Our topic is. Globular clusters. Here's our talk with. Reminder Samra. That was good. Enjoy. So when we're looking at the night sky, on any of the next uh, given clear night, let's have a look up. And you'll notice that there's quite a few stars out there. Most of these stars, believe it or not, are just, they're all part of our galaxy. They're not associated with any group of stars or any cluster of stars. The ones you see are just individual stars in our galaxy. We call them field stars. Our sun happens to be a galactic field star. However, if you look at the sky with a little bit more attention, you'll notice, start noticing some groups of stars which aren't associated just being randomly distributed across the sky. Instead, they're in, they're in clumps of, uh, of stars. Uh, one of the easiest ones to see is the Pleiades. Uh, the Pleiades is a... Uh, a little spoon. Um, looks like a little dipper, yes. Um, Seven Sisters is another nickname for it. Um, in the, the the autumn sky, you can see the Pleiades uh, high in the uh, nearly overhead area in the south. Um, you know, it just looks like a large, a, group, a small group of stars about the size of, say, the full moon. And um, if you have a pair of binoculars, you will definitely see that these stars are part of something. And this is called an open cluster. The Pleiades are fairly young. This cluster has been around for, you know, 60 million years or so. So if there was any dinosaur astronomers, it's highly unlikely that they could have seen the Pleiades. <laughs> so all, these are, are all the stars in the Pleiades, are they all the same age as the cluster? Well, that's hard to say exactly. Some of these stars are going to, they're, they're being continually formed as well as we speak. Some of the brighter ones that you can see, say, with, the, uh, with your naked eye, are very hot, very young, massive stars. They will live for only about 5, 10 million years. Um, that's very little sh uh, time in the, the grand scheme of things. How long does the sun live? So the sun itself will live for uh, about 10 billion years. So, so how, far, how, how much do we have left before we should get the emergency blankets out? Uh, about a couple of billion years. Okay. So the Pleiades... <laughs> set my timer. Yes. <laughs> so these guys are an open cluster. Now we find these open clusters in the disk of our galaxy. The di when I mean the uh, disk of our galaxy, you know, our galaxy itself is, you can imagine, a large pancake-like object. Um, it's 100,000 light years across, so a large pancakes, 100,000 light years across. has and a little bit of thickness to it. And a light year is the, the distance that a beam of light would travel yes. in one year? Uh, it's about 10 trillion kilometers. So you want to do that math, it's 100,000 times 10 trillion uh, to get the uh, size of a galaxy in, uh, in kilometers. 100,000 times 10 trillion. Yes, so it's uh, a million a trillion kilometers. Yeah, you forgot to carry the one. So I carry the one. <laughs> Mental math. Um, and it's uh, 10,000 light years thick. 
So a lot thinner than it is in terms of thickness. For any more information on this, there's a uh, very informative Monty Python song. <laughs> Maybe at the end of the episode, Dan can sing it. <laughs> for everybody. We'll see if I can. That's the Galaxy song. The Galaxy Steve's song. Referring to. Yes. Check it out. So uh, these clusters are these are open clusters. They're typically not that old. Some of them are, you know, dozens of millions of years old. Um, so up to they live for typically no more than a few billion years, a couple of billion, or three, four billion. Um, the reason for that is when they're inside of a galaxy, um, they're subjected to different gravitational forces, say from other stars in our galaxy, um, and the galaxy itself. Um, as a result, they get ripped apart. Um, so if you want to find the older stars, the oldest stars, you're going to have to look a little uh, further, a little deeper in our galaxy. And astronomers have done that. Um, Charles Messier was one of the first to do this. And when they looked up, they found these large groups of stars that looked like a large sphere in the sky. Uh, these are called globular clusters. You know, each galaxy has its own collection of globulars. Our Milky Way so far has about 160 cataloged globular clusters. Other galaxies have tens of thousands. There's a, um, and uh, we're not sure exactly what type of galaxies favor more globulars than others at the moment. Um, but uh, so, so we're able to see with the resolution good enough other galaxies and count their globular clusters? Yeah, we're able to count their globulars, but we can't resolve their individual stars at the moment. Oh, really? So that's why we're able to count them? Is because yes. globulars will be way more noticeable. Yes, they're very noticeable. You can imagine, um, say, the power, a combined light of 100,000 stars. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, dozens of millions of light years away, a galaxy is that far, say, 50, 60 million light years away. You can still see its globulars. You can't see those individual stars, though. Nearby stood galaxies like Andromeda, uh, which isn't too far away, but two and a half million light years away. We can see their globulars, and some we can see some of their brighter stars in those globular clusters. But what are globulars? So we have 160 of these in our galaxy. And you said when they're looking for the globulars, were they looking, like if I think about the galaxy as a CD disk, were they looking towards the center of the hole, or were no. they looking out, out of the yeah. CD? Great question. So you, you don't, globulars aren't found in the galaxy galactic disk. They like to be in these large orbits in a large halo. As you can imagine a large sphere that surrounds our galaxy. Uh, and they're orbiting in random directions. Um, they're still going around the galactic center, but uh, they have, say, you know, they take hundreds of millions of years to cross the galaxy uh, in their orbits. So they're orbiting in random directions, uh, and not through the galaxy itself, but above the galaxy, below the galaxy as well. Um, so, if a globular was in within the disk of the galaxy, would it be broken up into? No, they do pass through the galaxy. Um, they have experienced a, a, something called astro astronomers called disk shocking. Um, what happens then is a, you know it's experiencing a lot of gravitational force uh, very quickly from the rest of the stars in our galaxy. Uh, sometimes you can say trigger star formation. Um, Typically, these globulars you don't really encounter much, but they have an effect on, say, the uh, the kinematics, the speeds of the stars. Uh, you can change them up. You can kind of mix around the globular. But uh, what you're seeing is a large spherical collection of stars. Now, typically, they have uh, tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of stars. Some of the more massive ones, uh, Omega Centauri, uh, 47 Tucani, these are southern hemisphere objects. You can't see them if you're in the northern hemisphere. So there are southern listeners can 
go out into the night. Yes, so if you're in, say, Australia <laughs> yeah. or yeah. South America <laughs> yeah. or Africa. So these guys are actually naked eye objects. You don't need a telescope or a pair of binoculars to see them. Yeah. Oh, I imagine that it's quite dense compared to other stars, but how, how dense are we talking? Like, how close are the stars? So these stars, for example, here in our solar system, the closest star, the Alpha Centauri system, is about four and a half light years or so. Uh, out here, you're seeing stars which are, you know, depending on the concentration of your globular, they're, you know, uh, within a light year apart, typically. They're very close to each other. Um, as such, they do pass each other a lot. They, uh, when the star, um, it's a very, very crowded field, much more so than, uh, say, our galaxy. And uh, you do encounter stars passing through each other, and sometimes you will have stars that collide with each other. Um, when this happens, you have uh, um, two stars can merge into creating another star. It's called a blue straggler. Uh, so these, uh, what was that? It's called a blue straggler. Blue straggler. Yeah. So. Uh, or a Hollywood moon. Yeah. So basically, if you had, say, a half a solar mass star, so a star that's say, half as heavy as our sun, say two of them, which are typical in globular clusters, and you combine them, you get one solar mass star. Um, a typical half Wait, so let me do that math. Half plus a half is one. Is one. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, for example, uh, if a star was, uh, say, a half solar mass star, now I'm not sure exactly how long they live, but I think it's uh, over 15, 20 billion years. So they live for a long time. When they merge into one star, that star is going to uh, you know, reignite its fusion, reignite uh, the nuclear reactions, and it's going to live you know, a much shorter life. It's going to, you know, quickly go through that hydrogen burning fusion uh, infusion. So you, you find these blue stragglers uh, quite a lot in some of these globulars. And it's kind of fun to see. So, so we have all these stars, and some of them are just regular stars. Some of yeah. them have been combined. But we've got a few hundred thousand of these stars. Yeah. Um, what I really want to know is, why don't they all just fall into the middle? Like, yeah. Why are they in a sphere? Globulars behave a little differently. They behave in a sense of how a gas would behave. These stars themselves are moving, zipping around very fast, you know, dozens of kilometers per second. If it was just up to gravity, if the stars stopped moving, they'd all fall towards the center. But because they're moving, they're able to create a pressure which is able to counteract gravity, and they're able to stay active uh, for billions of years. Now, that's, this was actually a part of my master's thesis, we'll say, you know, we're looking at, we had imaged the core of a globular cluster very close to the center. Uh, we found the center, and it was in our field, and when we looked at the motions of stars, we didn't see any, uh, what you would want to see is you want to see the orbits curving. Now, we didn't see anything curving uh, with our data so far. Curving because the gravity caused by that black hole yeah. is kind of perturbing their orbit. Exactly. But it would be really difficult for us to see that in this particular cluster. I think we would have to wait about 100, 100 years or so. So that's a little longer than the lifetime of my master's thesis. So <laughs> we didn't see that. In fact, uh, what we were able to do was we were able to put a very strict limit uh, saying that if there is a black hole, it's very small. In our cluster, we, we didn't find one. Um, I'd like to take us to zoom out a bit and look at the galaxy as a whole and mm -hmm. try and find where these globular clusters fit in the galaxy. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I was reading that they can tell you something about the age of the galaxy or maybe even how it formed. Yeah. So, well, these globulars are the oldest, contain the oldest stars in the universe. 
Um, in fact, there was a time in which, uh, say this was 15 years ago, when you tried to, aid, uh, when you looked at the globular cluster and you compared it with theoretical models, it gave you an age of the cluster, which was sometimes even older than the age of the universe. Now that was weird. So that's bad. That's, that's bad. That's not good. That's math, really right? bad. <laughs> so you, you knew that something was wrong. Is the age of the universe wrong, or are these models wrong? Since then, both have been worked out. Right? We know the age of the universe is very accurate. It's 13.74 billion years. And we know that to within, you know, a hundred thousand years or so in terms of our accuracy. birthday coming up. And. Um, so what happens, so the first generation of the stars came and they exploded. Um, then they enriched their local environment with these gases. And stars formed out of those gases as well. And globular clusters are probably formed from that second generation of stars. So in the first generation of, you're talking the universe, yes. there was just basically hydrogen. Bas pretty much. And these stars lived for... And they, that whole generation had to die. In it died time. really quickly. We really? call that population three. Population it's essentially... It's called a metal-free star. It didn't have anything heavier than helium in it. They had crazy masses, 300 massive solar mass stars, which we cannot find these days. The heaviest star you'll ever find is 100 solar masses, and those are barely alive. These were very heavy stars. They lived for 100,000 years or a million years only, and then they exploded in giant supernova explosions, and they enriched our galaxy. So well, it guts everywhere in our galaxy. Exactly. Actually, our galaxy was forming at this time. Um, and then globular clusters also formed. Exactly how did they form? I'm not sure. So there, they, but there still are stars out there that are the first stars. They're gone. There's no stars that they're were like gone. the first stars after the Big Bang. We haven't seen them with current telescopes. James Webb's one of its goals is to look for the oldest stars, the, sorry, the first stars. Um, we don't see them in nearby galaxies. We would see them in far, far away galaxies. These globular clusters, they, uh, they formed at the same time as our galaxy, or roughly the so same time? So that's one of the, the mysteries. Did they form first, or did the galaxy form first and the globulars formed? We're not sure. In fact, uh, part of my, uh, you know, the research group I'm a part of, uh, my the uh, thesis supervisor, he's working on this. He had a lot of time on Hubble. Um, when I mean a lot, he had, you know, 120 orbits, which ends up costing, you know, the U.S. tax dollars over 10 million dollars. What were they finding with Hubble about so, the age of or how these things? So work? yeah, the idea was to uh, look at a cluster and to stare at it, and just stare at it for a really, really long time. See if it blinks. And it wasn't, it, um, it wasn't check for checking if it was blinking. In fact, it, they could have detected planets. There, um, there, there they is some, maybe. Maybe there's a possibility if you just keep on staring at something, and if a planet comes in the way, you can't detect it. Oh, in transit. Right, in transit. it goes, it passes in front of the light. Yes. Kind of blocking the light first. But that, uh, that's a, you know, it's too early, too early to say of any results of that. But they went, they imaged uh, uh, the, some of the faintest objects that have ever been imaged, uh, ever. Uh, went to 30th magnitude. Uh, to give an idea of how faint that is, um, to do the calculation in my head. In fact, I can't do that in my head right oh, now. Oh, this is impressive. Um, He's calculating his head. His eyes are blinking rapidly. <laughs> his uh, beard is twitching. <laughs> One thought. I can't do logarithms in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, turn it off. Turn, turn the mic off. Yeah, let's go. What are we doing here? <laughs>
Let's go find someone who can do logarithms in their head. I've got a calculator. Oh, we got a calculator. Yeah, let's okay. just work out this on the calculator. calculator base. Um, okay, oh, it's done. I got it. Race is over. All right, so uh, basically what they were looking at was um, objects that are over a billion times fainter than what you can see at the, with the naked eye limit. When you're on the Earth? Yes. Okay. They needed several days of time on Hubble to get this. In fact, they needed... Uh, let's just back to the calculator. Oh, calculator yeah. again, everybody. I'm gonna try and get some audio. We can put in for the buttons. Okay, I got ten. Beep, uh, beep, 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 beep. To this, uh, nine. Dan's just writing Google yeah. lists. So yeah, they, what they did was they had seven and a half days of observations on Hubble. Seven and a half days of like, as <laughs> if as if like they took the picture for seven and a half days. Yes. Seven and a half day exposure. <laughs> but the idea here was to age date the globular cluster. They looked at the white dwarfs, which are the faintest, uh, which are essentially um, the graveyard, the, the bits of stars, uh, the cores of stars, uh, which are left from after they die. And they were able to age date them, and they found out that this cluster is essentially old, is a little older than our galaxy. So this cluster formed before the formation of our galaxy formed. Uh, our galaxy formed, but 500 million years after this cluster formed. Um, is there anything that these globulars can tell us about uh, something like dark matter or dark energy? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, so these globulars are in this large, remember I said earlier, they're in this large halo in our galaxy. So they're outside of the plane. They're yeah, exactly. sitting above the CD. Exactly. Um, and that's what the dark matter is you know, not sure what dark matter is. If you know what dark matter is, there is a Nobel Prize waiting for you. Uh, he's just going to pick it up in can't. He's pointing the microphone there. Uh, <laughs> so at home, uh, if you know what dark matter is, call us. Please, call us that first. That would make a great you, interview. You have to call us first. <laughs> Tell us first. So once you, uh, you'd expect uh, maybe a globulars and themselves have dark matter. In fact, uh, a lot of papers have been published, and this is all just recent results, saying, you know, it doesn't look like there's much dark matter in globular clusters. Yeah. So can it, can it tell us anything about the dark matter in our galaxy? Um, well, we know that the dark matter is there, but lately there hasn't been much evidence of dark matter in globular clusters. So globular clusters as a source of dark matter, probably not. They're better for uh, determining the age of our galaxy, and they're also really good for determining how our galaxy formed. I think that's a good place to, to end it. Uh, I'd like to thank Raminder Samra, master's student at the University of British Columbia in astrophysics, and we hope you learned something about globular clusters. Thank you for listening. Thank you. This has been a co-production between the UBC Astronomy Club and Escape Pod Productions. All right, thanks to everyone that helped out with this production. Thanks to the University of British Columbia. Thank you to Raminder Samra, our guest, the Astronomy Club, the Astronomy Department. Thanks to the Hennings Building. Thank you to Buchanan. Thank you to Globular Clusters, Moons, Meteor Shower, Dark Matter, Higgs Comet. Please, thank you. Well, I'm Dan Clouston. And this is Stephen Morgan. And we hope you've enjoyed this pilot episode of the Escape Pod. Podcast. Pod podcast. The Escape Podcast. See you next time.